Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. The Lord is in this place. Amen. Amen. So good to worship the Lord with you. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. So I want to give a special welcome to all those tuning online, as well as our family in Crookston, Minnesota, gathering to do the same thing we're doing Worshiping the Lord, thing that many thousands, maybe millions of churches are doing across the world, worshiping the Lord Jesus, and it's good to be a part of that. So we have been in a sermon series, as you know, about community, about the power of community. And I just want to say that that is really the right phrase, because community has real power in your life and in my life. And to me, the real evidence of that is that I went for a run yesterday. You know the only reason why I went for a run yesterday? Because I married a runner. (laughs) That's the only reason. So that's proof to me that there's power in community. (laughs) And if you're looking for community, man, Pastor Nathan has done a great job sharing about the sermon series. Man, we got opportunities for you to get connected. There's connect groups, there's prayer groups, there's volunteer teams, all sorts of stuff at your fingertips to be a part of the family of God here and just really would invite you to, to take hold of all that's available to you. But as you know, <clears throat> uh, community can be a lot like gravity. It can be good or bad depending on where it's pulling you. And so the power of community, what I felt the Lord lay on my heart this morning to share with you is that the power of community can go both ways. Whether it can be a positive thing in your life, positive influence you, pulling you toward the Lord, or it can be negative, pulling you away from the Lord. Like I said, a lot like gravity. Just depends on where it's pulling. And I was reminded of this uh, a couple months ago when I cut down our dead birch tree in our front yard to our house. And I had to have this whole big plan. Because our birch tree is pretty big. Trees are really heavy. They don't look it when they're standing straight up, but they're really heavy. So I had this whole plan. I went to Acme and rented a boom lift that I brought into my yard and this massive, beautiful piece of machinery. And I got in the bucket and I went up to cut down the branches and cut down just the different sections until my chainsaw couldn't cut them down anymore. And so I was ready for the main trunk, ready to, to fell the main trunk of this tree. And, and I felt, you know, ready, even though I'd never done it before, and it was right next to our house. I just felt ready. <laughs> I don't know, maybe ignorance is bliss. That's probably going to go on my tombstone someday. <laughs> but my first tree I ever cut down, I watched a lot of YouTube videos, prepared for it, and I feel like I had a good, a good plan, a good approach. You know, I made the little notch in the tree, and it was a whatever the length, and I see my, my friend in the, in the congregation today who helped me. Shout out to you, Andy. Thanks for helping me with that. The real brains of the operation. Uh, but I had the notch in it, the tree, like I was ready, and I cut from behind. I put a wedge in. I had it all ready. But there was a distinct moment when I was chainsawing this tree where I felt a rush of, of should I be doing this? Because I see this thing, and it's about to go. And there's a point of no return, <laughs> On this thing, because once this starts to drop, gravity is going to kick in, and there's nothing I can do to stop it. And while I was chainsawing, you know, got everything going, I just noticed my house, my beautiful house. 
And then I noticed this big boom lift that I rented and I did not purchase, and I would like to keep it that way. It could fall. And then I saw our, our cute little uh, library that we put in front of our house. You know, little kids' books. You can walk by and take some books out. I thought, man, this could be bad. And I remember this sick moment like, if the, when this starts to go, it, there's nothing I can do. But I've done everything I know how to do. And I finished the cut and it started going and it fell right where I wanted it to go. Boom. Thank you. Thank you. And it, it landed with a thump. It was like, <laughs> whoa. But community is a lot like that. That you know as well as I do that there are moments in our life when we cross a point of no return. Whether it's giving it all to the Lord or giving in to temptation. And community can play a role in that. When you cross the threshold of the point of no return, gravity is just going to finish the course. The community and the influences you have around you is just going to finish the trajectory. And depending on where that gravity is pulling you will depend on where you land. And community is a big part of that. And so I felt the Lord lay on my heart to turn us to the book of Psalms in the Old Testament my kids came home with a fun fact from Kids Connect that it's the biggest book in the Bible. Is that right? So that's a fun fact for you. Psalms, kind of in the middle of the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. We're going to take it from the beginning. Psalms 1, verses 1 and 2. It'll be on our screen as well. Let's dive in. It says this. <clears throat> Blessed is the man or woman, blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so this kicks off one of the biggest books in the Bible. The Psalms, the songbook of the Bible, some have referred to it as. And one of the first things it talks about is the blessed person. It doesn't just talk about what they're pursuing, but it talks about what they're distancing themselves from, which are both equally important. We see what this blessed person is pursuing in verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Notice the word delight. It's not duty. It's not obligation. What I'm shooting for is a happy, rejoiceful surrender to God. His delight is in the law of the Lord, the instruction of God, the word of God, the ways of God, the character and the goodness of God. His delight is in that, and that's what I'm pursuing. That's what I'm going toward. And on his law, his goodness, his instruction, his word, his character, he meditates day and night. That's what I want to fill my mind with is God's word. The goodness of God. That's what I want to fill my life. That's what we're pursuing. But even before it mentions that, it talks about what this person is also distancing themselves from. Namely, the counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, and the seat of scoffers. And when you're chasing a prize, it's just as important what you're doing to attain the prize as you are to cut off everything that's keeping you from it, right? To, to loose from yourself, all of the, the weights or the distractions or the chains that are keeping you from pursuing. And here's the, the mind-blowing thing. You could be doing all of the right things to pursue God, 
and still feel like you're not gaining any ground? And the hidden answer could be maybe there's some things equally pulling in the other direction. It's like a tug of war. If you got strong Olympic bodybuilders pulling in one direction, you think you got it good, but if you got the same strength pulling the other direction, the net result is zero. I thought of uh, my wife and I's college days. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but my wife was a Division I athlete at South Dakota State on the track and cross-country team. If you're going to clap for me knocking down a tree, you should clap for that. <laughs> and her coach, her cross-country and track coach, when he was uh, a younger man, he was an Olympian. So he went to the Olympics in the marathon during the Sydney Olympics. I think that was in 2000 or so. And so here's this Olympic athlete in the marathon. Ouch. <laughs> Talk about the training. Think about the kind of diet. Think about the kind of discipline you have to endure in order to be an Olympic athlete. And he was the top American male runner in that event. And so you think about all the things that he had to do to pursue this goal, winning the Olympic trials in America, going on to the Sydney Olympics. Unfortunately, the story ends really sadly because he uh, ate something and got food poisoning and was in the porta potty pretty much every time it was offered. <laughs> and so his experience was very sad, didn't accomplish what he wanted to accomplish and do the performance he wanted to perform, but he did everything right. He did everything right. He was at the trainings. He, did, he showed up to practices. He beat his body into submission. He, he chiseled himself to be able to be at this level. And then one thing set him back, and it was food poisoning. Obviously, he didn't intend to do that, but it's, and when I think of our effort to pursue Jesus, I kind of think of community in that way, that we can kind of allow things into our life that's like that food poisoning. We're just going strong for God, and then there's that thing in our lives, right? There's just that thing, that rotten apple, that, that thing that just seems to set us back. We can be doing everything right, coming to church, going to connect groups, reading your Bible, praying, all of those things. But that thing in our life can set us back. And so let's look at the Psalms 1-1. And I'm really praying that in my own life, but in all of our lives, that God really illuminates what the next step for us. And it might not be a step forward as much as it is a step away from something. Not necessarily a step forward, but just a step away from something this morning. And so Psalms 1-1 talks about a progression of influence that the wicked or the world or the culture can have in our life. You notice the first thing is this person walks, walks not the counsel of the wicked, nor stands, nor sits. I see a progression here. And the walking, walking in the counsel of the wicked, I'm, I'm just envisioning someone just walking by, passing by. This has, shows the least amount of influence on your life. I think of like in the mall. You know, the Hope Church Mall or the, the Shields Mall. I know that's not their correct names. <laughs> that's just what I call them. As you're walking in Hope Church Mall and you got all these different vendors or these different businesses and you're kind of seeing what they have to offer. They may be pitching you to try to come in, but you're just walking in the counsel of the wicked. You're just hearing it, but it's not, it's the lowest level of influence. You're just hearing it, you're experiencing it, it's there. And to a degree, we can't escape that. To a degree, we live in a fallen world 
And we can't escape that. We can't escape the counsel or the advice, the encouragement, the thoughts of, of the wicked, of sinners, of our culture, of the world, because we live in it. And the goal really isn't to remove yourself totally from it, because we can't. I think of a verse when Jesus was talking to his disciples. He was actually praying to the Father in, in John chapter 17. If you want to turn there, keep your finger in Psalms 1. But Jesus alludes to, to that, that we can't necessarily remove ourselves totally from the influence of the world, but he has a different agenda. This is John 17, verses 15 and 16. It'll be on your screen as well. This is Jesus praying. This is his desire for you and me. He says, I do not ask. This is Jesus asking the Father. He's like, I'm not asking, just to clarify. This is not what I'm asking, Father. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Maybe you've heard the phrase, in the world, but not of it. We can fall into a different ditch when we're just trying to remove ourselves completely from the influence of the world. And we can't do that. And we shouldn't do that. Jesus says, I don't even want that for you. I don't want you to become so removed from the world that your light is so far away that dark people can't even see it. I don't want you to be removed from the world. I don't want you to be taken out. I want you to be in the world but not of it. So there's a degree of we have to tolerate the counsel of the wicked because we live in it. However, we can decide in many instances what we allow in our life and what we don't. There's a degree of we have to be a part of it just for the mission that God has put us on in the world. Coworkers, classmates, family members, neighbors, that's all part of it. But there's a, to a large degree, there are things that we can do to curb that influence. That we don't have to walk by every vendor. We don't have to walk by every, every trendy movie that's spewing the counsel of the wicked. We don't have to listen to all the, the late-breaking new songs. We don't have to watch all the TV shows. We don't have to tune in to all the different internet sites or influencers or whatever it might be. All of that, in my mind, is just walking by the counsel of the world. You're just brushing shoulders with it, entertaining it, putting it into our life, into our, our ears and our eyes. And to a large degree, we don't need a lot of it. And yet we do it. The counsel of the wicked, the advice or the encouragement of those who don't know God. And maybe there's something in your life that you continually let yourself walk by continue to let yourself be exposed to, that is only pulling you in a direction that you don't want to go. A good verse on that is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Keep your finger in Psalms 1. You can turn here if you'd like or it'll be on your screen. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Talks about the reality. There's not a lot of gray. It's either you're for God or you're not. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Think of that. The kingdom of God, that's the prize. The kingdom of God, relationship with God. The working of God, that's the prize. That's what we're shooting for. That was the main topic of Jesus' teaching was the kingdom of God. That's what he came to bring, the kingdom of God. But the unrighteous in the world doesn't know where it is, doesn't know how to find it. 
It says, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men or women who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I find myself in that list. This list doesn't leave anybody out. And what's beautiful is what he goes on to say. He says, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. Such were some of us. Such was all of us in some way, shape, or form. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you been washed today? Yes. And such were some of you. Such were all of us. Until Jesus got a hold of us. Until Jesus grabbed our heart. And you know what he did? He didn't just point his finger at us. He's not pointing his finger at you today. Not wagging his finger in condemnation. He's saying, I want to wash you. I want to cleanse you. I want to free you from the counsel of the wicked. Because our culture isn't speaking the truth. Our culture is speaking lies when it says you can engage in sexual activity prior to marriage. And it, it won't bother you. It won't do any damage. You can engage in all these things. You can maybe slip a couple cuss words or profane the name of Jesus here and there, depending on the friend group, and it's all good. It won't have any kind of effect on your soul. Our culture says there's no long-term damaging effects by trying to alter the gender that God gave you at birth or engaging in a homosexual relationship. God says that damages our soul. That's apart from God. And if you're here this morning struggling with any of that, I just want you to know God loves you. God loves you here. Wherever you're tuning in from, in Crookston, God loves you. And his intent isn't to make you feel ashamed. His intent is to free you from an invisible chain you don't, might not even know is there. And to wash you and to set you free this morning, today, right now. And to purify you as you purified me. This list doesn't leave anybody out. And I want the kingdom of God more than anything. So back to Psalms. Someone who walks and continually exposes themselves to the counsel of the wicked, exposing themselves, you know what they end up doing? They end up pausing. And they're not walking anymore. They're standing. They're standing in the way of sinners or in the path of sinners. This is no longer a, a cursory perusal of things. This is now a, a pondering, an acceptance, a I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand here. I'm going to go into this shop. I'm going to see what it has. I'm going to adopt some belief systems. I'm going to let myself adopt some lifestyle choices. And I think in this category, I think a lot of in terms of the friends we allow in our life. You're not the people that you have to rub shoulders with, but the friends, the community that you're choosing. I think of the influencers that you go out of your way to listen to, whether it's YouTube or another website or anything. We have access to all sorts of stuff where we go out of our way to, to listen to. And maybe most importantly, the relationships that we find ourselves in. The dating relationships, the committed relationships that we're pursuing that's a level, that's a concentric circle that's way closer to this is the direction I want my life to go. You're no longer walking by it, you're exposed to it, but 
all of a sudden you've stopped. You said, this is, this is my life. This is what I want it to be about. These are the belief systems that I want to have. And maybe you're in that place this morning. Maybe the Lord is tugging on your heart about a, a friend group, about a, a relational direction, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or whatever it might be. And this community is hard to break from. Maybe there's the road to recovery in your life, but there's a community that keeps pulling you back into it. And it's hard to cut ties. It's hard to say, I'm pursuing a different direction, and I don't think engaging with you is going to help me. I want to tell you this morning, if God is putting a hard decision on your life, if God is bringing you to a hard fork in the road, I want to tell you, you will not ever regret giving it to God. You won't ever regret. You won't ever look back and say, how would my life be different if I didn't surrender to the Lord? And I think today's the day to get some people around you and help you make a hard choice and to pursue the living God for all he's worth despite the sacrifice. Because those who linger standing in the path of sinners move on to the next category. They find themselves sitting in the seat of scoffers. They're no longer walking. They're no longer standing. They have pulled up a chair and they are sitting down. I'm planted. And the seat of scoffers, scoffing is like mocking. Not only have you adopted certain lifestyle choices or beliefs, but you are ridiculing anybody that thinks otherwise. You are gone the offensive, mocking and ridiculing, maybe out loud, maybe in your mind, anybody that would think the alternative is plausible. It's a seat of scoffing. It's a seat of the most influence, the most stronghold, the most commitment. And there might be some of you here today that is in that place. But I want to speak to the majority of us to say don't get to that place. Because genuine repentance is hard to find in the seat of scoffing. It's when you have committed and the gravitational pull has led you to such a place where now the, the ideas of God, the word of God, the, the plain truth of God is now not just not for me, but it's how could anybody think that way? There's a degree of coldness. There's a degree of callousness that can take over our hearts without knowing until when God speaks to our hearts, it's not just, that's tough, Lord. It's, how dare you? How dare you think that? How dare you lead me to that? And it's a place that genuine repentance is often hard to find. And so repentance in that place is possible. And if you're in that place this morning and God's pulling on your heart, listen to him. Don't shrug it off. Humble yourself before Jesus. But for the rest of us, Repentance is a lot easier before that stage. And so let's make it today. Let's make a choice today to distance ourselves from things that are only pulling us away so that we can pursue Jesus more and more wholeheartedly. Blessed is the person. Blessed. Blessed. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, because that person would be totally freed up to delight in the law of the Lord and on his law to meditate day and night. 
just to think and to ponder the goodness of God in their life. But what I'd like to do, I want to give us an opportunity to respond to what God might be putting on your heart. So if the band is here, why don't you guys come on up, the band in Crookston as well, come forward. I believe this place is not a place where the point of no return applies. You know, I talked about the tree. That there's a point of no return depending on where our community, the influences we have around us, where we'll make a choice and we're just in it. But in this place, this is not that place. This is a place of clarity. This is a place where God's presence lives. This is a place of clarity where you can say, I can decide how I'm cutting this tree. I can make a change. I see it leaning in a direction I don't want it to go, and I can decide where I want to make a change and make a new cut so that the gravitational pull of my life is in this direction. Because there are days when you're strong and there's days when you're weak. And depending on what you set up around you, will really help you in the battle to follow the Lord. But to make a first step, to make a first step, a baby step toward that is what I would like us to consider today. So as the band just kind of starts playing, if the Lord has put something on your heart, it could be big, like I said. It could be making a, a massive community shift. Maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend or some sort of community that you know isn't good in your life and the Lord is leading you away from that. It could be a big thing. It could be a little thing, like, I don't think I should watch that movie anymore. It's just not good for me. I don't think I should tune into that TV show for me anymore. It's not good for me. So whether it's a big thing or a little thing, what I encourage you to take out this card, this connection card. Jack talked about it earlier. So take it out. You can do it right now. You can do it right now. <laughs> take out this card. And you can put your name on it or you can leave it blank. And on the back, somewhere, in the prayer request, I decided to do this in Crookston as well, Put that thing, just write it down. Whatever it might be, whatever's pertinent in your life. You can put your name so we can follow up and pray with you, or you can leave it blank and just put that thing. But make an initial step, a response, to say, you know what, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this known between you and me, and I'm gonna make a first baby step toward giving it to you. And what I want you to do during this closing song, just write something on it. I want you to bring it to the altar and just put it on the altar like this. Just put it there. Just as an offering, just as an initial step to say, you know what, God, I sense that you're pulling me to distance myself from this. I want to make a gesture to honor that. And that's all you got to do. And the Lord will know how to take it from there in your life. What I also like, the altar team, if you're here this morning, why don't you come up and stand in the front here and in Crookston. And if you want to leave your card and go return to your seat, feel free. But if you want to linger and, and pray with somebody, you can tell them what's on the card. You can t pray about something totally different. But this is a great opportunity to say, you know what? I'd like someone to pray with me about this. This is all the team that is amazing. They'd love to pray with you. If you guys want to kind of fan out here in the, in the front, that'd be great so people can see you. In Crookston as well. So during this closing song, you can feel free to stand. You can feel free to sit. You can feel free to write. And anytime during the closing song, if God puts it on your heart to write something, just bring it and lay it on the altar like this. Return to your seat or find an altar team person to pray with. And I believe God is doing a next step in your life, bringing you to where he wants you to be. Let's respond to him. So I'm gonna pray. And after I pray, we'll go different ways with Crookston and we'll listen to our closing songs. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you have put power in community. 
you've put power in influencing one another. And Lord, whether it's a person that we rub shoulders with and we know, or it's a digital person that we've never met, or whatever it might be, Father, there's power in the community, God. And I thank you, Lord, that when I'm weak, so many days I can look back. When I was weak, I couldn't make the right choice. I wasn't able to cross the finish line. There was community around me that influenced me, that encouraged me. There was the brotherhood that I knew was there for me to help carry me across the finish line. There was brothers and sisters, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I've also felt, Lord, the times when I felt mildly strong and all of a sudden temptation and difficulty and setbacks that should have never been because of the negative pull of community. So Father, I just pray that you would help us just to see in our life where you are taking us. And just like that verse says, we can give something to you and we can be washed of it, cleansed. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.